Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. It's an honor uh, at this time to say a couple of things about the couple who will be sharing in just a second. Uh, pastors Brandon and Melody Holly, they are the lead pastors of iHeart Church in Beckley, West Virginia. They planted the church in 2012, and um, it is already a church uh, well over a thousand. Um, can we give God praise for that? Isn't that amazing that five years later, six years later, um, their influence is not only impacting Beckley and the Mount Hope area, but they recently launched a second campus in Summersville, West Virginia. Uh, and on the first service, they had 240 people show up in Summersville, West Virginia. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Um, so I, I say all that to say that um, the people you're going to be hearing from today uh, are incredible leaders. They have a heart for God, uh, also a heart for people. Uh, they were uh, some of the, Pastor Brandon and Melody, they were the first ones as far as uh, pastors to reach out to me uh, back uh, when we encountered in the summer of the flood. I always get the year mi mixed up, but it's 2016. Uh, but he, he reached out and said, I've got supplies, I got a truckload of stuff, and um, we'll help in any way. We got money, we'll give you, we'll, we'll do anything at all, at all to just help you guys. And uh, so they, they reached out to us and came alongside us to help us serve our community. And so that that meant a tremendous amount to, to Pastor Karen and myself, and just to see God's hand on this ministry. They have uh, men's and women's conferences throughout the year uh, that, are, that are a blessing to so many people, and uh, what they're going to talk about today is so extremely powerful. I know you're going to be blessed by it, uh, so it's a truly an honor for me to get to introduce this awesome couple, so I'm going to ask that everybody stand. The Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due. Would you give uh, Pastors Brandon and Melody Holly a big Big Bethesda welcome. Amen. I got one more thing to say, and then I'm going to get out of your way. Pastor Melody, uh, she'll mention this a little bit later, but she wrote this book last year. It's called Arise, A 40-Day Journey for Women. I don't know if we have any left. I know we were really close to being sold out, which is what I wanted to happen. Uh, but she wrote this book. It's incredible. It'll be a blessing to your life. So if they have any left, I'm, I'm not guaranteeing, if they have any, make sure you get it so they don't have to take them back home. Amen. God bless you. One more time, give it up for Pastors Brandon and Melody. Uh, thank you. You guys can be seated. I'll tell you what, it is exciting for us to be here today. Uh, you know, uh, last week I was actually in Mgabodzi, Swaziland, which is in Africa. We have a, a care point there and a church that we started there. And so I was preaching at that church. And, and then the week before, you know, we were at our regular uh, church there in Beckley. And, and then uh, come in here today. And there's one thing that I noticed in all three places. That the presence of God, the same presence of God that we feel week in and week out in Mount Hope in Beckley area at our church was in Umgabodzi, Swaziland, 9,000 miles away. And now it's the same presence that we feel here because we all serve the same Father. Amen? And it's uh, just so glad to be here. And, uh, you know, you guys are extremely blessed in the pastors that you have. Uh, Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen are amazing leaders. Uh, you know, when, when the flood came, uh, we we uh, were in Louisiana uh, before we started this church, and so we were in Louisiana during the days of Hurricane Katrina and Gustav and all these hurricanes that came in, and the the reaction of our church was always jump in, begin to serve people, you, you know, meet needs and and all of those things, and so uh, I was actually coming back from Georgia when I was here about hearing about the flooding here, and I had everybody meet me at the church and. And we had a bunch of supplies and everything. I jumped in that truck, and, and we came down here. And it was amazing that as I'm driving back from Georgia, I'm calling all these different pastors and saying, okay, guys, how can we help you? What are you doing in the community? How can we come alongside you? And it was hard to even find any pastors that were doing that. And I heard about, you know, Pastor Chad, and so I called him up, and he was like, hey, you know, we're, we're just trying to feed and we're just trying to meet some needs in the community and stuff. And I said, well, I got a trailer load of stuff. We're coming. If we need volunteers, you need money, whatever you need, we're there. 
But, but the reason why that God is blessing this church and you're seeing the growth that you are is because you have kingdom-minded pastors. You know, a lot of times people don't want to serve with other groups of people and stuff because they're afraid of, well, they might take some of my sheep or, you know, that type of thing. But, but Pastor Chad and them, they didn't care about all that. They just wanted to make sure you were taken care of. They didn't care about their own house. They wanted to make sure that the people in God's house were taken care of. And I think we need to put our hands together and, and just honor those pastors, just amazing leaders. And, and we're excited to be able to be here and uh, just see everything that God is, is doing down here. Uh, we've heard the, the stories and, and things of the move of God that's going here. And I, I just, uh, I'm excited that we're being able to connect in with what God is doing here. And, you know, that hour drive in between, I believe God's going to just uh, reach all those communities. And as the churches begin to link arms together, that we see his kingdom built and you know, uh, we, as he said, you know, we've started iHeart Church uh, five and a half years ago now, and uh, we just sit back in amazement at what God has done. We know that we're not that good. We know that we couldn't create everything that God has done, and uh, it's just an honor to be able to serve, you know, and to share on, on this subject today. I believe this is an important subject that if our churches are going to be who God's called us to be, then our marriages have to be what God has called our marriages to be. We've got to strengthen our families, and so we're going to get into that. But just want to share a little bit about our family. We've been married almost 16 years. Uh, in May, uh, uh, it would be 16 years. And I know uh, when you look up here, you truly see evidence that God still works miracles today. Because if there was ever a Beauty and a Beast story, this is it. You know, we got the beauty... And then the beast here, but uh, I pray every day that, that she doesn't just all of a sudden wake up and those scales fall off of her eyes and she see what she truly married. Uh, very blessed with the wife that I have. And we have some kids. A couple of them are here today. But, you know, every mama likes to brag about their kids, so I'm going to let mama brag on our kids. So we have four children, um, two are here today. Our oldest is Eden, and Eden's here, and I, have, I think we have a picture of her. Look at that hair. That's all natural. Isn't that beautiful? Um, and so she will be 13. I mean, she will be 14 in July. She's like, Mom, don't take a year off my age. Um, so she'll be 14 in July. We have three girls. Our second girl is also here, Zia, and she's a St. Jude baby, a survivor. Come on, somebody. And uh, completely healed. Um, my youngest daughter's name is Chanan, and she is two. Look at that. She's a mess, um, her leather pants. And then, uh, and then we have our son. We call him the only begotten son. And look at that. He's a mess. A mess. So, you know, being raised with all sisters, he knows how to treat a lady. And this is Valentine's is coming up. And so he has a special message just for you ladies in the house on Valentine's Day if you want to check this out. That's his daddy's moves right there, guys. <laughs> I think Brandon wants to show you how that, that's done. No, we'll pass. <laughs> come on, come on. All you men, look at your wives and say, you're so beautiful and holy. Come on. I, I tell you, we, we love our kids. Such a blessing of the Lord. You know, Scripture even says that the reason that God puts uh, husbands and wives together is to raise godly offspring. And uh, we are blessed with the kids that we have. And uh, I think it's something that in our church and in our world, we have to remember that, that children are a blessing from the Lord. Uh, the world has painted them as an inconvenience or frustration or a mistake or whatever. But I can tell you this, I would have a whole lot more if God would give them to me and if I could fit them in my car. But <laughs> we're, we're just uh, so uh, blessed to be here today. And we're going to speak on marriage today. And the title of the message is He Said, She Said. And, and really... We shouldn't be living our lives based on just what we've heard him say or her say, uh, you know, and what we've read in self-help books and all that. We need to base our marriage on what God says. Can I get an amen? 
And so uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. And, and I think it's important that we realize that our churches are only going to be as strong as the families that are represented in the church. If, if our families are broken, if our families are torn apart, and husbands and wives don't like each other, our kids are going crazy, then, and there's all that dysfunction, I mean, that just carries over into the body of Christ. And, and, the, Christ, and the body of Christ will be wounded and not be able to reach its full potential. And so this message that we're going to preach today is important for all of us. Because whether you're married or you hope to be married one day or you just know somebody who is married, then you, the things that we're going to teach today are things that you can use to, to uh, help fix your marriage. They're things that you can use to help prepare you for marriage or they're things that you can use to help encourage other people in their marriages. Because marriage in, in the church, unfortunately, the marriage statistics in the church are the exact same as what they are in the world. The, the divorce rate in the church is the same as it is. And listen, you know, we're going to talk about some words that some people think are like Christian curse words and they don't want to hear and say. But one of the things that should be a Christian curse word in our homes is the word divorce. And, and because it breaks families, it breaks hearts, it breaks people. And I know there are people in here that you felt the pain of divorce, but God wants to bring healing to your heart and, and, and restoration and everything to that. But, but the way that we keep our family and we keep our church and, and all of that strong is that we build our houses on the right foundation. You know, you guys are in the middle of a building project, and if you look out there, they, they've dug up all these footers and, and all that stuff to prepare the foundation. You know, you've already had the metal and the steel that's delivered, but if you go and try to build that steel on the foundation and it's out there right now, after a few good rains, that building's going to start come tumbling down. It's not going to last. And then, but also the same as if you poured half of the foundation, you're like, hey, this is taking too long. We need to just get this building up. Our church is growing. We need room. We need to get this up. And you build half of the foundation, then that building is going to begin to tilt. And guess what? It's still going to come down. And the problem that we have is that people are building their marriages half on what the Word of God says and half on what the world tells them. And that's not going to work. We have to build our house on the rock. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He said, therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine and does them, then he would be compared to a wise man who has built his house upon the rock. The rains fall, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, yet it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So that's one foundation. Everybody say there's two foundations. The first one is the rock. The second one, Jesus goes on in verse 26, but if they hear my words and do not act on them. In other words, what we preach today is not going to automatically bring blessing in your marriage. It's not automatically going to bring blessing in your life. You can hear the greatest communicators in the world preach the word of God, but until you begin to walk it out, you have not built your house upon it. You can have all of the Christian verses posted all around your house and, and post them on Facebook and you version and make images and all of that stuff. But if you are not walking all of those things out, you have decorated your home with the rock, but you're not built upon it. So you have to put into action what we say today. And it says that if he does not act on them, he'd be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. That's the second foundation is the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. Listen, two foundations. Both houses that were built saw the same rains, the same storms. One stood, and one was washed away. And what we're seeing in the church when marriages are being washed away and homes are being broken and destroyed is a result of not building Fully on the foundation of the word of God. And Jesus told us, you have to build all on the rock. And so I want to just kind of throw this disclaimer out there. Listen, because we're up here preaching on marriage does not mean that we are marriage experts. It does not mean that we live the perfect marriage and that we never get into an argument and we never have a rough day or anything like that. It does not mean that, that we are just wholly preaching at you. What it means is that we have saw in our marriage and when we are acting toward each other, like Scripture says, that our marriage is completely strong. When we start acting a little bit worldly, we notice some cracks in the foundation. Here's the thing. We begin to realign it with the Word of God, and the strength comes right back. 
There is strength in what we are going to preach to you today. And so we're going to look in Ephesians uh, chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to that. In Ephesians chapter 5, it begins to address the different roles that are in the church or in the house. So Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Um, and so I know some, uh, we know I'll preach at women's conferences. I go places and speak, and I get lots of amens until I say the S word, the submit word, and then all of a sudden it gets really quiet in a, in a room full of women. It's almost treated like a curse word, but I want to sort of clarify um, what this word submit means and what it doesn't mean. Um, for one thing, um, the, the word submission has nothing to do with your value. And so your role has absolutely nothing to do with your value. I think everyone in here would agree that um, just that, that children are supposed to submit to their parents' authority. Can I get an amen? And all the parents said amen. Um, however, none of us would say that a child is less valuable than their parents simply because they were under their authority. And so every organization, um, every governmental system, every uh, military, uh, all of it has rank and file. It would be chaotic if there was no rank and file. And so God established the order and the structure in the home. And when we buck and jerk against the order of that, we are actually bucking and jerking against the order of God. And then we wonder why right. great is the fall of the family. And so this word submission, to me, um, is really synonymous with value. Do I put value on my husband? as the priest or the leader of my home? Can I trust the word of God? Do you hear me? Uh, can I trust the word of God? Do I believe that it's truth or not? And, you know, he talked about the word of God being like a rock. And if you were going to take a nap, um, you would probably choose sand. If you had to choose between sand or a rock to lay your head on, you would probably choose um, sand because it's more comfortable, it's more um, palatable, and yet... It's not as the, the very thing that makes it comfortable also makes it unreliable for a foundation. That's good. And so when we, when we think about what we teach, what we preach, um, we have to go to the rock of God's word, even though it may be piercing, even though it may be tough to stomach or to take in. It's still truth, and it's the only truth that we can build our homes upon. And so when I think about value, um, that I value my husband's role in the home because I value the word of God. And so I'm removing my husband from the equation, essentially, and this is a matter of faith. Do I trust that the word of God is infallible? Or do I give myself an exemption clause of why the Bible applies to everybody else, but not to me? Come on. Why the Bible applies to everybody else, but not to me. Or why I get to pick and choose, like a buffet, which parts of the Bible I want to feast on and which I would rather abstain from. And so this is why great is the fall of many families is because we've rejected the word of God as a standard in the home and instead right. took the opinions of man or popular yep. culture. But if we truly believe that the word of God is the foundation of all wisdom and truth, then this is a matter of faith between me and my father, yep. that I will trust the opinion of God who is the one who set the order and the, um, the rank and file in a family system up. And you know, I'm God's daughter. And so if I'm submitted under the leadership of the, of the word of God, then there's a protection there. And so even if my husband is wrong, um, if I am submitting to the word of God, then God will be my defender. God defends his girls. He's like the daddy on the porch with a shotgun. You know, like if you let him be your defense, but if I step in and I go out of the fence of God's word, try to do it my own way, then I am susceptible to, you know, to chaos or to consequence. But if I submit under the word of God to the word of God, then God can be my defender and he can set things right, even if my husband is wrong. That's good. And see, here's the thing that we have to understand is every person is under authority in some way, shape, or form. Or let me put it, every person should be under authority in every way, shape, or form. Scripture says in, in Romans chapter 13, it says that all authority, say all authority, you know what that means? That means every type of, of authority, whether it's civil authority, whether it's governmental authority, whether it's parental authority, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the church, whatever type it is, all authority was placed there by God. Not only does it mean, it doesn't say all godly authority was placed there by God. Come on, I don't mess with your theology a little bit. 
How about go back to Romans chapter 9 where it says that God raised up Pharaoh for this cause. Why? To, to begin to bring about his purpose in the children of Israel's life. I mean, God can even use ungodly authority. It says all authority is placed there by God. And that when we resist the authority that God has established, we are not resisting the authority. We are resisting God. And therefore, because we are in rebellion to authority, we are not just in rebellion to authority, we are in rebellion to God. I mean, it's a scary place to line yourselves up uh, on the opposite side of God. You know, there in 1 Peter chapter 5 where it says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You know, when you go look at the context of that, it's talking about spiritual authority, about, uh, about young men being submitted to the older men in the church and, and young women being submitted to the older women in the church and all of that. It's talking about authority there. And when we humble ourselves under authority, then God, and, and when it says authority, it says under you are submitting yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due season, he will exalt you. It's kind of like there's protection in authority. You know, authority is kind of like an umbrella. You know, how many of you walked in today with an umbrella over your head? You know, it's pouring down rain. You know, I know ladies are more likely to do that. Guys, we don't care as much about our hair if we have hair. We're not that worried about whether we get rained on or not. But ladies don't want to get their hair all frizzy and mess up their curls and all the different things with their hair. And so they, they have the umbrella. But how foolish would it be if you had the umbrella available, but you held it out like this and just, just got rained on? But yet, that's what God has established. He's established pastoral authority, but a lot of times we don't want to submit ourselves under it. He's established the authority of the word of God, but when we don't obey it all, then we don't submit ourselves out under it. He's established parental authority, but we think our parents are archaic and old and they just don't get it. And we stay outside of the authority and we get rained on. He's established authority in the home, but when you stay outside of it, then you get hit by the rain versus being under the protection. Authority is God's protection over us. And here's the thing, men. You, you can't get a, on a, in a power trip and say, well, that's right. Wife, I'm the head of this house. So you're supposed to submit to my authority. Woman, submit. Let me tell you, that ain't going to work out for you. Pastor Chad is going to have his, his uh, phone ringing off the hook for marriage counseling. That's not what that means because that's not the way that Christ intended us to lead. Paul goes on and talks about it in verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That phrase, as Christ loved the church, means to the degree that Christ loved the church. Now ask yourself this question, how much did Christ love the church? He gave it all. He was mocked. He was humiliated. He gave up his own will. Even when he didn't want to do it, it didn't feel good. He's like, God, if there's any other way, please let this pass. And God said, no, you got to do it. And he's like, okay, I'll take the cross. He sacrificed everything for his church. Why? To demonstrate his love to his church. His entire life. He abstained from sin and everything so he could be the spotless lamb. He didn't give in to just the desires of his flesh because he wanted to make sure that he could be the sacrifice that God's created him to be. Men, we have to follow that same example. It goes on, it says, verse 26, that he may sanctify him by the cleansing of the water of the word. You know, the word of God it will wash us clean. Listen, men, you need to be investing the word of God in your family. Do not let Pastor Chad be the one that's the only person investing the word of God in your family. Your children's pastor, your youth pastor, is, does, it's not their role to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. Men, it's your role to be the men, that man of the house and the head of the house. Listen, there is pressure and great fear and trembling that comes with being the head. When I was an associate pastor, like I didn't feel nearly the pressure and the stress and everything that I had. Because if there was a decision that I didn't want to make or it was kind of difficult and stuff, I would just go to Pastor Mark and be like, hey, Pastor Mark. Here's the issue. How do you want me to handle it? And I throw all of that stress on his shoulders, and I didn't have to take it. Now that I'm a senior pastor of a church, everybody's looking to me, throwing all that stress up to me. Why? Because I'm in a position of authority. It's my responsibility to lead the church. Listen, your home is your church. It's your responsibility to lead it. It's your responsibility to invest the word of God. It's your responsibility to lead them in prayer. 
Don't leave that up to your wife just because you think she's more spiritual. You need to invest in them. Part of the biggest call of God that's on my life is to make sure that she hits the plan that God has for her life and to make sure that my daughters hit the mark of the high calling of God that's on their lives. I don't just have to worry about me. I have to worry about all of them, and I carry all of that weight. And so because of that, I need to be on my face seeking God. And Jesus set the example in John chapter 13. He says, before his disciples at the Last Supper, he, he got down on his knees, he took up a towel, and he girded himself with a towel, and he washed all the mess off of their feet. And then the disciples, Peter wouldn't let him do it. He, he was kind of offended by the fact that Jesus would do that. And he said, no, you've got to do this. You've got to let me wash your feet. And, and finally, you know, Jesus gets up and he sits back at the table and he said, okay, do you realize what I've just done? He said, you've seen the example that I set. No servant is greater than the master. The things that you just watched me do, you need to go do it. Men, that's what God wants you to do in your home. Take up the towel, serve, clean up the mess. Don't think that you're too good. He was the son of God. And he took up a towel and served. He laid down his life. And why? So that they could present himself, so that he could present the church with, in its splendor without spot or wrinkle, without any blemish. The whole reason he did that was so that he could present his church. The reason why we have to serve and lead and follow that example that Christ set is so that we can present our family to Christ one day. Because here's the thing. You can't take your money. You can't take your house. You can't take your position. You can't take none of that to heaven with you. The thing that God gave you that you can take to heaven is your wife and your kids. And it's your responsibility one day to present them to Jesus as, as your sacrifice and as, as your act of worship to him. Make sure that you realize that role that you have. Not to be served. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And you need to have the same mindset when you, when you lead your homes. First, uh, First Peter chapter 3 talks about these roles a little bit more. Yeah, I love he said before that men don't lead from a lazy boy. They lead like Jesus with a towel, you yeah. know. And... Um, and I think Jesus led, he could have, have come in and with a, a hammer or a fist and forced us to submit, but he doesn't do that. He gives us the option by serving and loving us. And I know that's how I have, it, Brandon has made it easier for me to submit. He doesn't make it difficult to submit because he, um, he loves me and he protects me. Um, and so I would just challenge them in not to make it difficult um, for your wives to submit. But, um, you know, there's, there's different roles also. You know, we, we talked about a little bit about roles and that verse that you just read where it said that, um, that wives are to respect their husbands and husbands are to love their wives. And I love that the scripture gives different um, verbs for each role. And he says that men are to love their wives and women are to respect their husbands. And I would really say that love um, is to a woman what respect is to a man yeah. and the same way if a woman were to hear I don't love you from her husband that's how it feels when a man hears I don't respect you that a man's core basic need is to be respected and a woman's basic core need is to be cherished and valued and so what happens is we start getting on a crazy cycle yeah. um, and I'm not going to submit to him because um, he doesn't love me and cherish me he speaks down to me well I'm not going to um, I'm not going to love and cherish her because she doesn't respect me and so we get on this crazy cycle and someone has to be willing to stop the cycle of craziness that's someone good. has to be able to to get off of it. And I would say that, you know, just as a reminder, when we, people come in for marriage counseling for us, that you will not give an account. When you stand before Jesus, you will not give an account for what your husband or what your wife did. You will yeah. only give an account for what you did. Did you obey the word of God or not? Sorry. And so well, some of us have, to, one of us has to decide we're going to get off this crazy cycle. And I believe that you can actually motivate or stimulate your spouse into righteous behavior. Um, and so in 1 Peter 3, talks about this a little bit. It says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband so that even if some do not obey the word, and maybe that's some of you ladies in here, you would say, you know, I can't, he's not saved, he's not a Christian, I can't obey him. Um, 
that they may be one without a word. I think, can everybody say without a word? (laughs) Um, Because we have a tendency to want to win our spouse if they're not um, saved, to win them with by preaching to them, but that's not a part of the formula. It does give us a formula for how to win our husbands over, but it says without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry or clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women of God um, used to adore themselves by submitting to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do what is good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And we'll come back to that in just a second. Um, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. And I think it's important here for men to see that last part because it says that, that we are to show honor to our wives as a weaker vessel. Listen, we have to understand something that that men and women are created differently. They have different strengths. They have different weaknesses and, and all of those things. And, and as a man, one of your chief responsibilities is to protect and take care of your wife. You know, I, I've, I've been back and forth to Africa a few times and and I go over there, and they make these beautiful uh, soapstone crosses and, and things. And, and I've bought them a few different times, hoping that I'm actually going to be able to get that home one day and it not be in pieces in my suitcase. And, and so when I, when I do that, uh, you know, I try to pack it in real good. And I've actually made a couple of them that I made it home, and I set it up on my, my desk or in my office, and one of my kids would come over and knock it over and break it because I didn't put it up into a place that was a, 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 a place that was protected or, and didn't show it the, the attention and things. And, you know, this time I, I, I found this ostrich egg that has the continent of Africa on one side, and it's just this very beautiful piece of, uh, of art that I wanted to put it in my office. And, and I mean, just extremely fragile and And so I took it and I packed it in my suitcase, I zipped everything up so that it wouldn't move at all and put all this stuff to just kind of protect it because it was was valuable. And, and, And I wanted to make sure that it stayed in one piece. And part of our role is to understand that there are some weaknesses and things that God has intended us to protect them from. And, and to shield them and to guard them, to realize the value uh, that, that they have and, and to protect that and take care of it. And then here's the thing that's even worse. Not only do we have to protect from, from other people, but we have to make sure that we're not the one that's causing the damage. Because if you're not going to protect his daughter, God will protect his daughter. And he even says right here, look, if you're not treating them right, you're not showing them honor, don't even come praying to me because I'm not going to hear it. He said, your prayers are going to be hindered. And there was periods of time where, like, Melody would even think something and God would give it to her. And I'm praying and fasting and seeking God and nothing is happening. I'm like, what in the world? And God's like, you're not showing honor to your wife. You're not valuing her the way that, that you should. You're not protecting her. I can tell you this. As a dad of three girls, I can be very protective over my girls. And I know you look at me and you're like, that dude is not very big. I would not be afraid of him. So why, why do I have to worry about him? But I can tell you, you mess with one of my girls, and it's a whole different level of, of, of thing. I remember this one time when we first started the church, we were trying to uh, build our worship team up and everything. And, and uh, so we were practicing in the basement of somebody's house because we didn't have a building. We were portable the first three and a half years of our church and over at Tamarack. And, and uh, so we, didn't, we, didn't have, we just practiced in the basement of somebody's house. And we were trying to find a drummer. And so we had these different drummers that would just come in and play with us there and, and get used to it. And this one guy who came, I mean, he was a big guy. I'm telling you, like, his arms were as big as my neck and my head. I mean, he was a, he was a really big dude and, and, and uh, worked out all the time and stuff. And I know you're like, well, Pastor, you have to work out, too, to be that big. But uh, nobody thought that's funny. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, uh, one day we were, we were practicing, and my kids were running around, and they were being a little bit noisy and, and stuff, and you know, they're just having fun as kids, and I'm, I'm trying to, we're trying to run through a song, and, and, uh, and the kids were being a little bit loud, so the drummer was having a hard time hearing, and he turned around, and he said, shut up! 
And my daughter was standing right there. And my daughter was five, six years old at the time. And you could just see the terror in her eyes. And so you know at that point, I didn't care if I was, uh, you know, you just messed with my daughter. I went in attack mode. I was like, hold up. You are not going to talk to my daughter that way. And I went, are you okay, baby? You just go ahead and go upstairs. I was like, you don't ever raise your voice to my children again. Do you understand me? And he just looked at me. And, I mean, this dude could have crushed me in a second. It went two hits. He hits me, I hit the ground. That's it. You know, it's over. (laughs) And he reaches down and he starts grabbing his drumsticks and stuff. And he just starts packing up. And I'm like... What are you doing? Where are you going? Sit down. Practice ain't over. And he just plops down and just sits down. And it's like, because there's this whole different level of authority. I'm telling you, you want to get God upset, you mess with his daughters. Because God loves his girls. And he will protect his girls. And he will fight for his girls. Um, I wanted to mention, too, you know, it said that um, women are the weaker vessel. And what, I want to kind of speak to that for a second because this whole chapter here is talking about order and rank and file in the home. And so it's talking about weaker in the, uh, a weaker vessel in leadership that, um, that you might be better gifted. You might, you know, be smarter than your husband, but you're not more anointed to lead the home than he is. So your 100% is not as good as his 30% because you're not anointed for the lead home, the lead of that home. And so um, we are the weaker vessel. I think what that means specifically in leadership is we have a maternal nature that we're born with as, as girls. Um, I've watched this with my own children, um, the way that my, my daughters will nurture a baby doll and um, from a young age. Meanwhile, my son would take the baby doll and throw it through a hoop, you know, like a basketball hoop. Um, um, he, he came out the womb fighting and leading. This is a part of his his psyche and his makeup. And I think that our maternal instinct makes us sometimes more spiritually aware of things. Um, like, for instance, Pilate's wife knew about that Jesus um, was the son of God. She knew not to mess with him before Pilate did. She had a dream. God spoke to her. Because we're sensitive to needs, sometimes we can become more discerning. We may, be, we may even discern spiritual things before our husbands do. Um, even Mary, she knew about Jesus before Joseph did. And so sometimes, but that same sensitivity... And and subjectivity can make us um, weaker leaders because we will then make decisions based on our feelings or our emotion versus on objective fact. And so I think this is God designed us in this beautiful way. But, you know, it says uh, um, this verse in uh, 6b, it says, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. A New Living translates that, if you obey without fear of what your husbands might do. And I would say that the number one reason I think most women have trouble submitting is out of fear. They're scared that their husband's going to make the wrong decision. They're scared that if they surrender this area, that something bad will happen. And I would have to ask you, um, have you ever made a wrong decision? Have you ever made a financial decision or a family decision and it go awry? Yes. And that we have to give our husbands freedom to lead and freedom to fail. And that if we, this is again, goes back to removing your husband from the equation and that I trust the word of God as a standard for my life. It's a rock and I can build my house upon it. That if I trust God's word, he will take care of me. And then I just remove this. And this is about me and Jesus that I believe the word of God can be trusted and I can bank on it. Um, You know, and I think it's important to call them man of God out of him, and instead of being critical um, and criticizing his moves and his leadership, will just which will, and you know, I think a lot of them, my husband won't lead, my husband won't lead, um, but then if you listen to conversation, there's a lot of criticism and a lot of judgment and a lot of pulling out things and talking down um, to them, which makes them a timid leader, and so I challenge women to be the cheerleader, the greatest cheerleader your husband should have, should be his wife, um, the greatest, and, and you know, I see a lot of men that have affairs and if I look at it sometimes the woman's not even prettier than his wife a lot of times she does she's not even good looking but I watch the way that she talks to him she looks at the him with the same revere that his wife did when they were dating and it's that him wanting to be believed in him wanting to be respected that appeals to a man and I think we have got to be the cheerleader for our husband and our husband likewise needs to value and protect his wife and this is a reciprocating role that we would just get off the crazy cycle and decide I'm going to do it God's way God's way always always works and so we have to trust him yeah it's good every worship team wants to come on up you can and we'll close out with just that thought you know I think that that uh, as she said, you know, the wives are supposed to be the cheerleader for the, the husband, but the, the husband is supposed to call out the, the woman of God in their wives as well. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, years, when, years ago when our marriage was struggling, you know, a lot of times people, 
just assume that if you're a pastor and everything, that your marriage has always been good and, and strong and all that, and that's, that's not the case. You know, Really and truthfully, what we're sharing with you today is what we were uh, challenged with you know, 12, 13 years ago, and, and we had to decide, are we going to build our house on the rock, or are we going to continue to just do it the way we've always done? And our marriage was struggling. I mean, we were, uh, uh, we were kind of roommates. You know, we've been married almost 16 years, and probably about 13 of those were happily married years. And, you know, there were other years where uh, we didn't like each other very much, where, uh, you know, we, uh, what held us together really was our love for God and our love for our kids. Uh, you know, we, we wanted to honor God with our marriage, and, and we loved our kids, and we didn't want them to be raised in a broken home and everything. And, and uh, you know, during that time of some of our deepest struggles, uh, I changed her name in my phone, and I put her name in my phone as my Proverbs 31 wife. And, and I began to encourage her and, and try to call that out of her. You know, even the book that she wrote, it was the dream that she had in her heart and everything, but I had to say, hey, come on, we're, we're going to do this. We're, we're going to walk through it. And there were times when I had to watch the kids a whole lot more. There were times where I had to carry out some weight and everything, but I knew she had something inside of her that needed to be in other people's hands. And I had to value that voice. Like when he came to me in May and said, I believe you're supposed to write this book. It had been years. That was my resolution. I'm going to write a book. I'll write a book. And in May, he comes to me and says, I think you need to do it. And I think it needs to be available for the women's conference in October. And I said, you do know we have four children and it's summertime. Like, and you know, you go to work without the four kids and I, I work from home. And I, I even told him, I said, I need you to go back and pray about that. Because if you tell me I have to do it, then I have to do it. But I need you to make sure it's God. And so every morning, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, staying up, just it was a press season. And I wondered sometimes, is he wrong? Was he, is he putting too much on me? Is this wrong? And we were able to do it and publish a book. And, you know, it's touched thousands of lives. But more than that, my dad died suddenly seven weeks ago. And before he died, he was able to see and read the book, and he talked about it to everyone. And I and I told you know I told Brian, I said, thank God that I listened to you. Thank God that I didn't just say, oh, that's too much. And I think sometimes we don't listen. God's trying through authority to share, but because it's a familiar voice, we don't hear it. And I think we have to to listen. That this is this all of this. The scripture is written out of love. It's it's because God loves us and He loves our home and our kids. And I, and I think that's the thing that we learn with this passage is when we begin to treat each other the way that scripture tells when I begin to lay down my life and I begin to love her I look at her every day and I tell her how beautiful she is tell her how much I love her and how blessed I am and, and all that that she's my wife I look at her constantly I'm like I cannot believe that I get to be married to you and I can tell you that our marriage is stronger than it's ever been and and because she believed in me in my darkest days. We're not up here on this altar because we deserve to be here because we've lived a holy life. We have baggage in our past. We have things that are not things you want to confess in front of people, but God has used us confessing that in front of people to change their lives. I had a horrible pornography addiction. Struggled with it. Thought from an early age, I got 10 years old, started getting exposed to porn and all these things. Just early, early on. And 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 I started, you know, I loved God, was serving God, would cry out to God, God, take this away, you know, just crying out and everything. But there wasn't somebody who would talk about that issue in church. That's like you know, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil type thing. And it was a struggle that held me in bondage and until I heard a man named John Bevere who has traveled the world and wrote books and spoke. I mean, he, I'm telling you, like, he's, he's a hero of the faith to me because he spoke about how even when he was serving God that he had this struggle and what God spoke to him and how he got complete deliverance from it. And she loved me through that. And she called out a man of God in me when I still struggle, when I hurt her. There's nobody in this world who has hurt this woman more than me. But she has loved me and forgiven me and shown me the love of God to where there's nobody in this world who can turn my head away from her because there's nobody who's going to love me like she has. And that's what God wants our marriages to be like. Guys, we got to let the past go. 
We've got to lead the past in the past. In Ephesians 4, it talks about how we're to forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. How did he forgive you? He forgave it and he forgot it. He doesn't bring it up anymore. There's some of you in here, you say you've forgiven it, but you surely haven't forgotten it. And you keep throwing it right back in your spouse's face. And as long as you do that, you're not showing each other honor. You're not showing each other love. And you got to say, you know what? I want to be right with God. And God called me to the level of forgiveness of his son. And so I'm going to do that. I want to be right with God. And he called me to lay down my life for my wife. Whether she respects me or not, he called me to do it. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to be right with God. And whether he shows me the love or not, I'm going to win him over by my quiet and chaste behavior. Why? Because that's precious in the sight of God. And that word quiet, it doesn't, doesn't mean like weak and feeble. It actually means meekness. And meekness is power restrained and yielded to somebody else. Even though you could take the authority, even though you could use that power, you choose not to. Because that's not God's way. I believe that God wants to bring some healing in people's lives today. There's nobody who can show the love of Jesus to your spouse more than you can. There's nobody who should be champion your, your husband or your, your wife more than you. That's your role as husband and wife, is to come together and complete each other. I want to do this. I want, to, I want you to bow your head just for a second. I just want to ask this question. If you are in here today and you realize your marriage is struggling, you're, you're not quite hitting the mark of what God wants our marriage to be. If that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand right where you are and say, "My marriage. I need, I need God to heal my marriage. See those hands all over. You can put those hands down. If you're here and you say, you know what, I've never experienced that love of Jesus. I've never experienced that forgiveness, but I need it in my life. If that's you, will you just slip up your hand? We already have one person online who's clicked, who's, who's given their heart to Jesus. If, if you're online, you can click in there and they're going to pray. If you, I want you to do this with me. You, you can put your hand down. Let's, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I know I've made mistakes. And I know I've sinned. But I believe that you showed your love to me when you laid down your life on the cross. And so I lay my life down to you. I ask you to clean my life up. To set me free from my sin. I give you my heart. I trust you with my heart. Father, forgive me. Be my Lord. And my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's do this. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's give God some praise. Yeah. This is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you that if your wife or your spouse is here, will you reach over and grab their hand? I wanna I wanna pray over the marriages that are here, and I'm gonna have Melody pray and, and we'll close out like we normally do with a worship song and you know, after, after I pray, uh, the worship team's going to go into a song. And if you need prayer for anything, you can make it. If you need prayer for healing, a financial need, anything. It doesn't have to be your marriage. You need prayer. You can begin to make your way forward. If you're online and you need prayer, you can click there and you have people that are going to pray with you. But there were a lot of hands that went up and said, hey, I could use a little healing in my marriage. And so we're going to pray over your marriages, that God's going to strengthen them, that God's going to... Bring, bring healing and restoration and forgiveness and all of those things to your home so that people see our marriages and they see the relationship of Christ with his church. Because when people see the love that's in between us, it should point them to Jesus. And if our marriages aren't to the point where people see that and they want that in their life, then we got a little bit of work to do. And when we get there, it's going to be a testimony to other people and it's going to draw people to the Lord. Amen? So come on, let's pray and just commit our marriages to God. Father, we just come to you right now, God. Lord, I pray over every home that's represented. 
Prayer every marriage that's represented, God. Every future marriage that's represented in this place, God. Every marriage that's represented online that's watching, God. Lord, you know every bit of baggage. You know everything that's going on in their hearts and their lives, God. I pray, Father, that they will show one another the same love that Melody showed me and that I've showed her. That, God, we love each other uh, through all of our failures. God, I pray that you draw us closer together. That what you have put together, that no man can separate, no man can put asunder, God. I pray for complete and total healing, God. In every emotion, every wound, God. Lord, I know that, that, that there are those that are here today that are brokenhearted because of things that have happened uh, in, their, in the past, in their marriage. And God, I pray that you bring healing, God. Your word says that you're near to the brokenhearted. So God, send your Holy Spirit to bring comfort and healing to every home, God. May our marriages represent, God, and be an example of your love for the church, God. And Lord, may our marriages be strong and healthy, God, that our churches can be strong and healthy, that we can reach this world and build your kingdom, Father. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you, Father. Father, right now, I just pray in the name of Jesus, God, for every child, Lord, every grandchild that is a product of marriages that are listening, that are watching, Father, God, we know from Malachi that the very reason you have established marriage is to bear godly offspring. And Lord, I pray for a holy fight to rise up yes. in the homes that are represented in this yes. room. In the name of Jesus, I bind every spirit of division that would come in and break apart homes, Lord, with the, with the intent yes. of destroying the lives of the next generation. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that they would grab yes. onto holy hope like the breaking of the morning dawn, Jesus. They would suddenly begin to believe that change is possible and that they can be the instrument of that change by obeying through faith and trust in the word of God. Right now, God, I pray something is planted, something is planted, the seed of wor the word of God, and it will bear yes. fruit that remains not just here, not just today, not just in one home, God, but I pray in generation after generation after generation would yes. be worth the fight, God, would be worth the fight, Jesus, God, that they would hold on, that they would grab to the word of God, they would not let go in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, we say amen, amen, and amen. amen. We thank you. Come on, Father, let's give God Jesus some praise. Hold on one second. I want to share one more thing with you real quick. I shared it in one of the other services, but uh, I feel like I need to share it here. Listen, we have to understand that the person whose hand we were just holding is not the enemy. A lot of times the devil wants to get you fighting against this. He wants to turn the fight right here. But in Ephesians 6, it says we don't wrestle and we don't fight against flesh and blood. There are demonic forces that are attacking your marriage and attacking your home. And so the same way that you joined hands and you prayed over your marriage, you need to join hands at your home and you begin to pray over your marriage. You begin to fight back the real enemy that is attacking your home. Your spouse is not the enemy. And when we recognize that and we begin to fight and we realize we're not just fighting for ourselves. We didn't stay together because we were fighting for ourselves. We stayed together because we were fighting for our kids. We were fighting for the next generation. Come find out now we're fighting for 1,400 people that are attending iHeart Church and, and people reading the books and different things like that. It was far bigger. But as long as we stayed here fighting, we never could accomplish what God has called us to do. Let's turn the fight outward and take it where it belongs. Amen? Come on, let's worship God. If you need prayer, you can begin to come forward. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.